CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Tuesday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. We're glad you've joined us. Looking forward to being with you as we always are. Pray that you caught yesterday's program on the deceitfulness of the American news media and also what the underlying issues are concerning America's overthrow. It's all documented. It's not uh, mega or anything like that. It's absolute facts. And if you miss that, be sure to go online and pick that up. You can, uh, it's in the archives and you can listen to it. I recommend every person listen to it, share it with your friends. People need to know what's going on because in these days that we live in, it's so important. Again, we set this time aside every weekday afternoon to in, in to delve into God's Word. And if you've got a question, someone's asked you a question, hey, this is why we get together. This is live radio. And our number to call if you want to be part of the program today, and we have some lines open, 8888-ASK-CSN is the number to call. You can be part of the program today. Joining me today, special guest we have with us, John Randall from Calvary Chapel, South Orange County, down by San Clemente, California. Hi, and welcome, John. Mike, great to be back with you on this Tuesday and uh, excited once again for the program. Great to be on with the CSN family. Always look forward to Tuesdays, not just because of tacos. There's another reason, and that's uh, fellowship with the brethren. (laughs) That's right. Hey, it's so good. Well, John, I'm so glad you're with us. Appreciate you being on CSN one hour before this program comes on. And uh, always appreciate God's wisdom that he's given you as you teach God's word. Well, let's go ahead and go to the phones. Again, the number is 8888-ASK-CSN. You can be part of the program today. Got some lines open. Let's go to Chris. Cottonwood, Arizona. Hi, welcome. Hello. I do believe we need to keep our treasures in heaven. But there's going to come a time when we can't buy and sell. And I know we can't prepare for that because we don't know what, when or how. But I do know that money's going to fail. Should we try to sell what we could sell while we can still do it? Or what should we be doing to prepare for when we can't buy and sell? I know we can't store up enough food, but what do we do? Chris, I think that your question concerns every single true American that sees the insanity that's going on. You know, when we realize that America is too far in debt, $35 trillion in debt, they're not slowing down, they're not stopping. Remember the Inflation Reduction Act that Biden passed didn't do anything. In fact, it did the opposite in so much now that uh, the Fed's raise the interest rates to over 7% for a new house. Now, again, interest, uh, maybe I should say inflation is not coming down. And this is one of the great problems that we have because it just eats away your money. Now, when we realized our our economic forecasters saying that in just a few years, we're going to be over $50 trillion in debt because our politicians just won't stop spending. Well, why? Vote for me. 
Everything is free. Vote for me and I'll pay off all your student loans. Vote for me. Free health care. Vote for me. This is how they got into power in Guatemala and Venezuela. Promised them the world. Once they got in office, delivered nothing. And in fact, then began to take everything the people had. This is the way the Communist Party works, always has worked. And again, this is what we're faced with. You see, we're in some very, very tough times right now. I don't believe they're going to get better. Chris, the first thing I would tell anyone listening is that get out of debt. You don't want to be in debt. And what I mean by debt is this. Uh, you want to make sure that what you're buying uh, is worth uh, what you're paying for it or it's worth more than you're paying for it. Uh, people that are oftentimes um, unctioned by their sight, the lust of the eye, find themselves buying things they can't afford. And then they have to pay the insane in, uh, interest rates on the credit card or however they're paying for this when they can't do it. You know, the Bible says God will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. And I believe that. And so rather than always just spending, maybe just say, Lord, uh, would you provide for me this thing that I need, whatever it might be, or a great deal on a car or something like that, rather than just trusting MasterCard instead of God. And I, I really believe that this is going to be a, a great help because, again, uh, what you do not have paid for, uh, you will lose. Now, we've got some real problems. We all know this. Um, the government is not going to stop spending money they don't have, which is going to end America. We we already know America's doomed. Now, this isn't mega, again, talk or anything. This is facts. This Go online. Look at Forbes. Look at anybody that studies money. They said America's doomed. We are on a collision course because we won't stop spending money that we don't have. Then you add all the illegal immigration in that's driving the price of housing up, commodities up, plus giving them $3,000 a month. On top of that, your tax dollars, by the way, everyone, your Social Security payments that you paid in, that's what's going to fund all this stuff. And so when you realize how bad this really is, and then the Republicans, uh, curtailed a lot of the Ukrainian money. And now they're saying, oh, uh, the, the, the Republicans don't uh, are not against communism. Listen, what the Republicans are saying, you're traveling halfway around the world to protect Ukrainian borders, and yet you won't protect your own border right within your own nation. They're addressing the hypocrisy of the Democratic Party. Again, why would you allow literally millions and millions of people illegally entering your country a year. Why would you do this with already a strained economy? So I do believe, Chris, that we are on a collision course. I do believe that what you do not have paid for, there's a good possibility you will lose. Um, we do know that the idea of buying and selling uh, with a mark on your hand or on your forehead, is during the tribulation period. But we don't know how crazy it's going to get in even the next few months. Because, again, all the major uh, banks and everything are saying we are on an unsustainable uh, course right now, and it seems that the federal government is deliberately financially breaking the United States. Why? 
Well, out of the ashes will come the new communist America. And that's really, if you listen to the program yesterday, again, uh, uh, Ben uh, really went into great detail on this and uh, Ben Carson. And uh, I think everybody should listen to this when you understand what we're really up against. We're fighting something that the Communist Party put into gear about 60 years ago. And he just started reading a lot of the part of the Communist Manifesto to destroy America that was written back in 1959. This isn't Trumpism. This isn't megaism. This is fact, everybody. I was there. I watched Nikita Khrushchev say, we will bury you. Your children will live under our government. Why would they say that? Well, what plan did they have? And so Ben goes in and how they infiltrated the schools. They infiltrated every political area they could get into. They infiltrated the seminars, uh, uh, seminaries in the United States. They went into the media and into movies and all these things, anything to influence people how terrible America is. And you talk to the average kid right now in school, and they'll tell you how terrible America is. They've been a smashing success. And again, with the dumbing down of America, which I got to tell you, everybody has been a complete success. What to think? not how to think. How to think would say, do we really want communism? I mean, look at look at Stalin murdering tw- 20 million of his own people, or Mao Zedong, 50 million fellow Chinese is what he murdered. Maybe communism is not what we want, but you're not taught how to rationally think about anything. Evolution is true. America is bad. Don't question the system. This is the communist dream, friends. A bunch of blank slates, no family um, correction from homes, strip God from every aspect of our society. This is exactly what they did in Russia and, friends, what they're doing to us now. Again, please go to CSN Radio. Go to Archived to Every Man and Answers and listen President's Day special, yesterday's program, I guarantee you it will be more than worth your while. Chris, uh, I hope that helps. And, you know, uh, John, uh, you know, uh, we want to make our investment in heaven. We want to be about our father's business, but we all still have to pay our bills and everything. What advice would you give, Chris? Well, I appreciate the call. And what came to my mind is Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25, he said, therefore, I say to you, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about your clothing? And Jesus goes on to encourage us not to worry, but instead... He tells us in Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. It's easy when you begin to see all of these things unfold in the world to begin to worry. It's easy to take our eyes off of Jesus. And so my exhortation, encouragement to those listening today, uh, Mike, would be we're aware of these things. But we don't want to worry about these things. We trust the Lord. We know that God is working all things together for his plan. And so we're aware of it. 
But I would say to Chris, Chris, don't fear, don't worry. You do what you can. You trust the Lord, and um, and continue to seek first His kingdom. Chris, I hope that helps. Again, I believe that Jesus said in Matthew chapter twenty-four, when you begin to see these things, look up. Your redemption draws nigh. I think as we look at the whole global scene, unrest everywhere. I believe these are exactly the days that Jesus spoke of in Matthew chapter 24, Luke 21, and paving the way for the Antichrist to take over the world. And so what do we do? Stay out of debt. Pray about spending money, what you want to do. We want to be able... Now remember, Jesus is the one that multiplied the loaves and fishes. So this is the miracle working God that we have. But we want to be wise with what we have, pray about everything, and fear nothing. Chris, I hope that helps. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. And uh, thanks. And uh, stay in line. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs, Chris, How Not to Worry in These Days. Well, let's go to Joey in Montana. Hi and welcome. Hi. My question is about the thousand-year reign of Jesus when he comes back after the tribulation period. There'll be a lot of people left alive during that time, which a lot of them, if not the vast majority of them, will have had received the mark of the beast just to exist and stay alive. When he comes back, what happens to those people since they can never be saved? Do they get to live, do you think, through the, the thousand-year reign? Or will he it appears immediately? It, Joey, it appears that those who took the mark will not go into the millennial reign of Christ. From the way I read it, it seems that they're, they're, um, their judgment has been made. Um, but there's going to be a lot of people that do go into the millennial reign of Christ, not necessarily believers in Jesus Christ, but there will be people. And then during that millennial reign of Christ, prayerfully, they accept Christ as their Savior. Now, we know there's many that will not. John, your thoughts? Yeah, I would agree with you. I think anybody that takes the mark, it's clear uh, in the book of Revelation that that seals their fate. If you take that mark, that that's the end. There is no salvation after that. So I would tend to agree with that. They're going to experience um, the judgment of God. And uh, it's a good question that you ask. And I don't know that it comes out and says, you know, the exact, but but it seems as you read through it that that would be um, the way that I would interpret it as you, as you read through the passages of Scripture there. I hope that helps, Joy. Okay, it does. Thank you very much. That, that helps me understand it. Thank you. Yes, the Bible says that we who are alive right now, after the rapture, and those who died during the tribulation period only, those, all of us, uh, all the saints that have lived up to this time, the Bible says will rule and reign with Christ, and those who will die during the tribulation as martyrs. Now, during the millennial reign, if somebody dies, and they'll say a person dies at 100 years old, they'll be considered a child because the life expectancy will go back to a 1,000 years again because Jesus makes all things new, restores the environment, uh, the ecosystem of the planet, all these things. Um, But not everybody that lives in a perfect world loves God. And this is why Satan is loose at the end of the thousand-year reign, to give people a choice. And interestingly enough, as sand is on the seashore, they come against Jesus after living with perfect food, perfect environment, perfect everything, only proving what Jesus said in John chapter 3, you must be born again. You can change a person's environment, 
But until that person's heart change, they remain in darkness. Say hello, enjoy. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs I think you'll really enjoy. And with that, we'll go to Jack. Hi, and welcome. Hi, good afternoon. Hi. So um, I believe in the Bible. I believe in the entire Bible. Um, I understand that the law of Moses uh, was replaced by the law of Jesus Christ. Uh, but the mm-hmm. Ten Commandments stayed there. And my question is, where in the Bible does it change the Sabbath to the Sunday? Well, you, wait a minute. Jesus said in John chapter 12, I kept, I, I kept all my Father's commandments. Now you keep mine. Love one another. And they asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And he said, to love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and spirit. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said this, upon these two hang all the law and the prophets. So when Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments, he's not speaking of the Ten Commandments. He's speaking of the two that he gave us. Love God and love your fellow man. Those are the two he gave us. Now, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 16, Paul writes and he says, Let no man therefore judge you in respect of a holiday, new moon, or Sabbath days, which are a shadow of the things to come. The Sabbath is always the Sabbath. That's Saturday. However, the early church met on Sunday to commemorate Jesus' raising from the dead. Now, there's nothing wrong with worshiping on Saturday or Sunday. And if you're a paramedic, police, or some other uh, civic type of person that has to reach out to people, your day of rest may be a Tuesday or a Thursday or whatever. And that's great. I do believe still today that we should take a day off a week and enjoy what God's given us. Not as a law, but as God's provision. The Bible clearly teaches that the Sabbath was not made for God. It was made for us to take a day off. That God would make up the difference. You don't got to work seven days a week. Of course, on the other hand, I know six days thou shalt work and seventh you'll rest. I know a lot of people who won't won't work any day of the week. Um, that, that creates another problem. But the first day of the week, they'd come together, break bread, have communion. We find this over and over in the Scripture. And we also know that Paul and the others would sometimes go to a Sabbath meeting at the synagogue or in a person's house, wherever it was, when he would go out and evangelize. So I really believe, again, don't let anybody judge you according to what day you worship on, because the Sabbath was made for you to take a day off. Your thoughts, John? Yeah, I was curious. Jack, I really <clears throat> I appreciate the question. I first of all want to say I appreciate um, yes. the fact that you are uh, believe the Bible and study the Bible. And uh, it's always great to have conversations like that and with people who have that same passion that we do. I was wondering, do you do you worship on Saturday or do you worship on Sunday? Well, I go to Calvary Chapel and I worship on Sunday, uh, but I right. was raised yeah. in a I was raised in a very legalistic uh, home as a Seventh Day Adventist, and okay. Seventh Day Adventists haven't changed that. But I agree with you, and I respect what you say, and I uh, absolutely believe that that whatever day happens, so it's about it's about taking the day off, and it's about it's about respecting uh, uh, the day and the Lord, and and um, I agree with that. But I but because it's from my childhood, I've struggled I struggled mm-hmm. with it, and I and I listened to your show, and I just wanted to hear your answers, and I like your answers, and I agree. Oh, I well, appreciate that, Jack. And I wanted to say that you know on the passage of scripture that came to my mind was, 
you remember when Paul, when, when the, they met there at the Jerusalem council there in the book of Acts and, and they were discussing, what should we tell the Gentiles? What, what, what should we tell these new believers? They're not Jews. What do we tell them? How do you know? And he told them three things, you know, stay away from, you know, sexual morality, things offered to idols and things strangled with blood. They said nothing about the Sabbath day. They, they didn't say anything about that because these people were Gentiles. They were, they were new converts. Um, but when Paul went in, as Mike said, when he would go in and he was among the synagogue, I became a Jew that I might win the Jews to the Gentiles. I became a Gentile. And then, you know, when Paul wrote in Romans, he said, one man considers one day more sacred than the other. Another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Romans chapter 14. I think it's, I think, hey, whatever day you worship for me, and I think for Jack and probably for, I know for Pastor Mike, we worship the Lord every day, but it is good to have one day set aside where you can just rest in the Lord, recover. And uh, I don't do that because if I don't do this, God's not going to bless my life. I do it because God has blessed my life and he is my rest. And I get to, I get to take a day and just reflect on that. So I think it's really important. Amen. And something to remember too, to ease your conscience, Jack, a little bit because of that. The people today that worship on Saturday, whether they be Seventh-day Adventists or Jehovah's Witnesses, um, um, I, I have nothing against that. I, I think that's fine. Just don't judge people that worship on Sunday. Because if you, again, read Colossians 2.16, you'll clearly see they're not to do that. Again, they don't keep the Sabbath either. Now, they get in a building on a Saturday. But that is not keeping the Sabbath, according to biblical protocol. Now, you can get in a building. I know people who go to Home Depot on Saturday morning as well. But just to get in a building on a Saturday doesn't mean you kept the Sabbath. I heard one guy say one time, well, we keep it by grace. I said, no, you keep it according to your own interpretation, which is not the Bible. See, according to Levitical law, you can't make anybody else work on the Sabbath. You can't kindle a fire on the Sabbath. You can't travel so far from your home on the Sabbath. Yet they violate almost every one of those before they ever get to their place of meeting on Saturday. So these are the problems that I really believe are really an issue that we have to be very careful of um, because they don't even keep their own word. They get in the building on a Saturday. That's as far as you can go. But as far as truly keeping the Sabbath, what the Bible says, they're in complete violation of that. And the Bible says you err in one part, you err in all of it. Any last thoughts, John? No, I would agree with that. I'm just thankful that the Lord gives us a day of rest. And uh, it Amen. is special. And uh, man, be free, Jack. I, I appreciate your, uh, you sharing with us today. I know a guy. He was in Manford, in Tonga. He ran a two-way radio communication shop there and uh, built a radio station there, and I was always going, and he was 70 Adventist and had some good fellowship with him, just to let you know. And he said, well, you know, Saturday is here. It's a day earlier where our main office is. He said, I, I couldn't really figure out which day to take off. So you know what? I take them both off. <laughs> I like that. Jack, I hope that helps. It does. Thank you. Thank you both very much. Stay online if you like, send you out um, The Atheist Delusion by Ray Comfort, a couple other DVDs, as well as a couple of booklets I think you'll really enjoy, Jack. And stay online. We'll get you taken care of. Let's go to Ted in Kentucky. Hi, welcome. Hi, how are you? Good. How may we help? Yeah, my question is about the New Jerusalem. Uh, the Bible say, uh the height and the length is the same uh, is the same 
and it's a 15,000 uh, uh, stadiums. 15,000 stadiums are equal uh, 2,200 kilometers. So if it's the same length and same height, I was uh, think uh, so the height will be 2,200 also? Well, they believe that, again, if you realize that the New Jerusalem is in layers, and the New Jerusalem is not round as our Earth currently is, it's going to either be a square, or some people even say a pyramid, but I believe it's going to be square. And when you figure out the area of square miles with those dimensions that we have there in Revelation— uh, there's more land mass than what we have here on this earth. Your thoughts, John? Well, it's going to be huge. We know that for sure, Ted. It's going to be very large. Um, Revelation chapter 21, uh, verses 15 through 17 gives us that those dimensions that are equal in length, equal in width, and equal in depth. And it, it's an amazing place where the glory of God dwells. It says it has 12 foundations, the names of the 12 apostles. They're decorated with precious stones. There's 12 gates, each made of a single pearl. I mean, it's really hard to imagine, you know, the biggest pearl I've seen was on a necklace, but an entire gate made of, of pure, a pure uh, pearl and precious stones. And then Mike, think about That'd be it. one big clam, by the way. I tell you what, you think about, you know, um, what, what, uh, where do you, what do you see everywhere around us? We see asphalt, we see uh, concrete. Well, what we walk on is gold. I mean, just as clear as crystal, it's going to be uh, amazing and unimagined blessing that the old curse, the old earth is gone. Also, the Bible tells us the tree of life is going to be there for the healing of the nations and the river of life. I mean, it's it's like something we've never seen before. It's going to I just can't wait to be there. <laughs> Amen. It's going to be something. Well, I tell people don't miss heaven for the world. So mm-hmm. important. It's Ted, great. I hope that answers it for you. Yeah, just uh, I was like worried about because if the distance is like two thousand two hundred kilometers, is that that big? And uh, when say the height and the and uh, the length is the same, I was thinking so. With the height, the all the all of the city will be two thousand two hundred also kilometer high. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 it'll be a cube or or something along that lines, uh, and it's. Um, it's it's, it's <laughs> pictured for us in the Bible, uh, and again, uh, the Bible says throughout all of eternity, God's going to show us His His greatness and His glory, and uh, what's inside the atom, what's beyond the stars, what's beyond those pearly gates that we get to go investigate all the time. It's going to be pretty great. Don't want to miss it for the world. Ted, we're coming up on a break. A break. Stay online. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs, and we'll be back for more. Right after this, we'll be right back. If you are 65 or older, you know this. Watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on health care costs is so frustrating. But here's some great news. If you were just notified that your Medicare costs are increasing, a program out there can really help you with your medical bills. And it's worth taking a minute to look into MediShare 65+. plus. It's not insurance. Members actually say it's better. It's a Christian healthcare community that aligns with your faith and where people encourage and pray for you. And MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. You choose any Medicare provider, and you get telehealth access anytime you need it. And this is great, too. Unlike health insurance, you can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. So don't get stuck with increasing costs. Call 
MetaShare 65 Plus and find out how much you can save. Call 833-90-SHARE. That's 833-90-SHARE. 833-90-SHARE. This is a sound of not just one, not just two, but three heartbeats. Heartbeats that were birthed through the ministry of preborn who helped this mother of triplets choose life. The heartbeat of a preborn baby can be heard as early as five weeks on ultrasound. The sound of a heartbeat changes everything. I came seeking termination, but once I got here and I took an ultrasound, I was overjoyed when I found out that I was having three baby boys. Preborn is the country's largest provider of free ultrasounds for moms in crisis. Preborn pregnancy clinics share the heartbeats of those in the greatest need, preborn babies. To learn how you can be a part of rescuing babies' lives, call 855-668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY. Or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. want to welcome you back to part two of to every man and answer here on this Tuesday afternoon with Jeff, John Randall and uh, from Calvary Chapel, South OC. And uh, we're going to go right back to the phones. We have Danny on the line, Donnelly, Idaho. Hi, welcome. Hi. Um, I have two questions. Um, I was wondering, uh, you know, since uh, uh, the Lord saved uh, eight, only eight people and thousands and thousands of animals on the ark, um, I was wondering about the possibility of our pets being in heaven. Okay, John, your thoughts? That's a good question. Um, I, I can't find a scripture that says um, that our pets will go to heaven. There's not a passage of scripture that, that stands out that way. However, it does say that in the, you know, it talks about the lion laying down with the lamb. It talks about, you know, there's naming of various animals in during the millennium. But I, you know, I tell you, I love, uh, I love my pets. Uh, I've I had to put a couple down, and that I'd say that's one of the hardest things ever because they're the kind of you come home to those dogs and and you could have the worst day imaginable and they'll be right there loving you no matter what. And I think uh, every pastor should have a dog if you're listening. Um, and you just you come home and but you know and then when we had to put them down. It was the hardest thing ever, and it just broke our hearts because they had given so much. And then you know in my own heart, I'd be like, oh boy, it'd be great if they were in heaven. Wouldn't that be amazing? I don't necessarily have a passage of scripture um, that says that, but, uh, you know, I was always kind of hopeful in the back of my mind, but I know that whatever, you know, what heaven is going to be is going to be far greater than anything I ever experienced down here on earth. And so in that, I take comfort. Mike, what do you, what do you think about that? Well, there is a verse in Ecclesiastes chapter three that says, who knows the spirit of a man that rises upward and the spirit of the animal that goes down to the earth. Now, this would seem to indicate, if you go back to creation and the original six-day creation story, that God made man different than he made the animals, that he put in us his spirit. And that spirit that God put into us is an eternal spirit. Some go to heaven, some go to hell depending on the choice that we make and what we've done with Jesus Christ. 
However, we do not find that in the animal world. Now, I don't want to categorically say, oh, well, no, you won't see your animal again. I don't know that. Um, however, there is no Bible verse that I could tell you that would that would change that. But there are verses that seem to indicate the opposite. And of course, we see that in Ecclesiastes 3.21, where it talks about the spirit of the man goes upward, and then the spirit of the man, once uh, the animal, once he's dead, goes downward and goes back to the earth. It doesn't say it goes to hell. It just says it goes back to the earth. So I, I, I don't want to add to God's word. Uh, I want to be as honest with people as I can. And I know sometimes it's a little discomforting because, oh, well, I love my dog. I love my parakeet. I love whatever. And then when you stop to look at around the world, like if you go into your areas over in Asia, they eat dogs. And in America, we almost elevate dogs to that of human status. We have their own I remember the pet cemetery there on I-15 coming out of San Bernardino going up the Cajon Pass. And I remember the pet cemetery there that you could see. We, we, however, the same dog, the same lineage, uh, in, in, um, in many places of the world in Asia, they're eating them. So I, I have a, it, it's a little troubling when, when we see that, but, I like I say I don't want to give people false hope, but I do know heaven is going to be everything uh, that God says it is, and it's everything we don't need. And I don't know. Maybe your dog will be there. I don't know, but all I can tell you is what the Bible says, and I would probably rest there in chapter three, verse twenty-one of Ecclesiastes for the only verse that I think really addresses this. So I hope that helps. I was wondering, though, um, if the ark is the type of salvation, what about the fact that God only saved eight people and he saved thousands of animals? Well, the saving of the animals, I believe, was that of the issue of DNA, and that we would still have those animals with us today. Uh, I I don't believe that we could use uh, the ark picture as a a um, a basis for saying that animals go to heaven because it never says that. And so we have to be careful. And I tell Danny everybody this: we got to be careful in adding to God's word because of what I think it should mean or what I think it should say. But what does the Bible say about it? And like I say, the only thing that really addresses the spirit of an animal there is what we find there in Ecclesiastes 3.21. So I, I, any last thoughts on that, John? No, I'd agree with that. I mean, I know God, obviously, he loves all of his creatures and, uh, you know, and we take care of them while we have them. It's a gift. And but uh, again, I, I think we, we fall where Scripture falls and and uh you know the bible does say a righteous man cares for the needs of his animal proverbs 12. amen but but yeah. I, you know, we fall we always we always want to stand with what scripture says and if it's silent on something then it's silent but but god has good things in store for us that even surpass what we could imagine here on this earth so hope that helps danny
Okay. Um, I had another quick question, if you got time. Okay, sure. Um, I asked it a while back, uh, and I never really got an answer, but I saw the Jesus Revolution movie, and it was real good about showing the beginnings of uh, the musical groups that came out of Calvary Chapel. Yep. And um, I was down there at the time, and around 1980, all of a sudden, Maranatha music just completely stopped uh, uh, promoting the groups and, and all that, and it, it just went to praise uh, choir music. And uh, I just wondered what happened, if anybody knows why that happened. But, uh, you know, Love Song and the way all those groups, it was all in the 70s, and right around 1980, nothing, you know, for from then on. Yeah, it was somewhere around there that I believe that Calvary Costa Mesa's influence and, and you might say, distribution of those bands ceased. And, and I believe it was sold to somebody else uh, because, you know, Chuck was really interested in getting soul saves, not in running record companies. And I think that's where the change somewhere around there came. And uh, perhaps I can get uh, down the road here. We can get Jeff Smith on, who used to be one of the, uh, Chuck's son, used to be one of the main distributors. He used to travel up and down the coast and all over with a trunk full of, of uh, you know, way records and, and mustard seed faith and stuff. And he'd have them. He'd go visit the bookstores. He'd go visit the radio stations to play that on their stations and stuff like that. And so he actually was part of that. And he actually knows in depth what happened. And perhaps we'll have him come on here sometime and, and explain those to us. I was talking to him the other day, interestingly enough, when you mentioned uh, the Jesus revolution. And I said, Jeff, what happened to the old Calvary Chapel tent? I mean, it was, it was an iconic a, a thing back in the uh, late 60s, early 70s. What happened to the tent? And he told me, no one knows what happened to the tent. I thought it was interesting. It just vanished. I don't know. Things that make you go home. But anyway, Danny, maybe we can get him on here sometime soon, and, and we can talk about that. Great. Right, thanks so much. Danny, God bless you. Thanks so much for the call. Stay in line. Send you out some books, some DVDs I think you'll enjoy. With that, we'll go to Tim Palm Springs. Hi, Wilk. Yeah, hi. Um, my question is about, I believe it was in Revelation. Um, he says that if um, the days were not shortened, that no man would be left alive. And um, to put it, to give me some context, because he says the day is a thousand years to God. A thousand years to God, or you know, a day, a thousand years is like a day to man. <clears throat> or, um, but shortening a twenty-four-hour period. No, I believe that the 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 tribulation would have gone on much longer. Now, now remember a couple things. Number one. Daniel was heartbroken over his nation of Israel being conquered by the Babylonians, and he was in prayer, and the Lord revealed to him seven 70-year year periods has been determined upon your nation Israel and the completion of all things. And the Bible tells us that in the 69th year, Messiah would be cut off. 
and the clock stopped. There's a remaining seven-year period of time in which God will deal with his nation of Israel. Okay, that's that. Now, we also know during the tribulation period, as God deals with the nation of Israel, he also deals with a God-rejecting world. Now, I believe that seven-year period of time of God dealing with the nation of Israel is a non-negotiable. But it evidently appears that the judgment of God upon a God-rejecting world, though limited to seven years based upon what the book of Revelation tells us, could have gone on longer, but there would have been no flesh saved. In other words, man has made such a total mess of this earth in seven years, on the dawning of the age of Aquarius, and in the words of John Lennon, sharing all the world, you may say I'm a dreamer. Yep, you sure are, because the Bible says that ain't what's happening. In seven years, they take a world that was functioning to complete dysfunctionality. And that, to me, is amazing, because if the days were not shortened, maybe God's judgment upon not Israel, that seven-year period of time, set that aside, but God's judgment upon the world may have went longer. God could have dealt with the nation of Israel in seven years and left the rest of the world to deal with something else. But here we find in Revelation, God deals with the world and the nation of Israel in that seven-year period of time. Unless those days were shortened, there'd be no flesh saved. When you realize every living thing in the sea dies, all the trees are burned up, all the water has turned to blood. When you realize how bad it's going to be, hailstones, one over a hundred pounds, that would be probably about three times, four times the size of a bowling ball falling out of the sky. Think what that's going to do to the solar panels, everyone. When you realize what's really going to be falling on this earth, it is interesting in Revelation chapter 6, at the end of the chapter, and the people of the earth cried out to the rocks and the mountains, fall on us and hide us, for the day of the wrath of the Lamb has come. Why are they calling out to Mother Nature, calling out to the rocks and the mountains? Well, maybe when you have the gigantic tectonic plate movements, the Bible says are going to be on this earth during the tribulation period, maybe the houses are gone. Maybe the high-rise buildings are knocked down. Maybe that's why they're calling out to the rocks and the mountains to cover them, because maybe the things that man built are completely gone. So I believe that very possibly the judgment of God upon the world could have gone longer, but God in his grace Cut it short because, again, there would have been no flesh saved. Your thoughts? Yeah, that passage of Scripture that you're referring to, Tim, is found in um, Matthew chapter 24. That's the Olivet Discourse spoken by Jesus to his disciples after they asked the question, when would be the destruction of the temple? What would be the end of the age? And um, he begins to respond, and he starts to talk about the great abomination which brings about desolation that uh, Daniel referred to, and as Pastor Mike just mentioned a moment ago, and as he's talking about the period called the Great Tribulation, that last three and a half years of just where the judgments are so intense um, that, uh, in fact, Jesus said it in Matthew 24, 21, he said, for then there will be great tribulation, 
such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor shall ever be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh should be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. As Mike said, it just means what it means, that if if that went any longer, no one would live. There would be no uh, life left at all. And so in grace, even in, you, know, you see it's, when you see God pouring out his wrath, even in wrath, there is grace. He shortens it. He could have just wiped it out and just started over from the very beginning, but he doesn't. And so that's what that's a reference to, an, an actual period of time that he shortens the tribulation period. It could have gone on, but it was only seven years so that there would be some who would actually survive. So I hope that helps. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. Um, and then just a quick follow-up question. I know in Deuteronomy it talks about um, the, the, who, who do you say that the children of Israel are? Um, the 144,000 from the 12 tribes? It references in Deuteronomy? I believe the 144,000 are 12,000 Jews from the 12 tribes of Israel. It lists them by name. They tell you that they're male and they're virgins. Your thoughts, John? Yeah, that's basically what it says there in in the book of Revelation. It it gives us the indication uh, clearly. Revelation chapter seven it says, "I heard the number," and it tells us uh, one hundred forty four thousand from all the twelve tribes of Israel. They're going to have a mark upon them. These are going to be evangelists during that tribulation period, and they're going to be used by the Lord to, I believe, lead others from the nation of Israel back to the Lord. They're going to be evangelizing, and God's got His hand on them and using them powerfully during that time. And so uh, they are Jewish. They're from the 12 tribes. They are sealed by the Lord for a period of time. God uses them uh, post-rapture to witness to those who are on the earth. So I hope that helps. Yeah, sure thing. I appreciate your uh, your answers, guys. Thank you. Yeah, stay on line if you like. Send you out some books, some DVDs. Great to share with your friends. Let's go to Allen, South Carolina. Hi, welcome. Hey, good evening, pastors. My question is, if all Christians are taken up at the rapture and they're gone from the earth, assuming everyone left on the earth is non-Christian, does that mean that every person on earth takes the mark of the beast? And if so, then how is anyone saved during the tribulation? Well, first of all, not everyone does. And we find the 144,000 Jews from our last call These, the Bible says, are servants to God during the tribulation period. Plus, you've got the two prophets in the streets of Jerusalem warning the world to repent, and you have angels flying through the midst of heaven not to take the mark of the beast. Now, again, there will be those who are saved, and of course, if you read Revelation chapter 6, a strong angel asks John, who are these under the altar? John says, I don't know, beats me, who are they? And the angel said, these are the martyrs that came up out of the great tribulation. And they cried with a loud voice, O Lord, holy and true, how long before you avenge the blood upon these people? And the Lord said, rest a little while longer till your fellow servants join you. And so we do know there is going to be a lot of people saved during the tribulation period, I believe partly because of the book of Revelation giving people play-by-play action because the book of Revelation was written in order very clearly. There's no way around it. That's why everything's numbered in order. Um, And that is, I believe, to give the new converts during the tribulation period sustenance to base your faith upon 
because it's going to require you probably to be beheaded for your faith. Your thoughts, John? Yeah, I would agree with that. There's going to be people that get saved during that time. I, I think you think about all the people, Alan, that maybe you've um, shared your faith with that kind of maybe they scoffed at it. They laughed at it. You've you've shared with them about the Lord and they've rejected the message of the gospel. Well, when Alan and his family are gone and the church is gone and people are gone, suddenly those people realize, I missed it. And I do believe that there will be those that actually cry out to God during that time and repent. That The only difference is they're going to have to either survive or they're going to die for their faith. And so I know for us, we always encourage people, if you're waiting, well, I'll, I'll believe in the Lord if the rapture happens. I always say, listen, if you can't stand for the Lord right now, when your life isn't on the line, don't make the mistake of thinking you can stand from when your life will be on the line. Better to respond right now. But there will be people that get saved. They'll come to their senses and they'll realize we missed it and they'll turn to Christ. And there'll be others who still reject Christ, even when they know where the tribulation's coming from. The Bible talks about that in Revelation as well. But it's a great question you ask, Alan. Yeah. People say, well, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll just, uh, you know, I keep on partying and I'll just die for Jesus during the tribulation. What is so foolish about that logic? If you won't live for Jesus now, why will you die for him when things are tough? Right. So, Alan, I hope that helps. Yes, it does. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. God bless you. Stay online if you like. Send you out some books, some DVDs. I think you'll really, really enjoy. And let's go to Austin in Irvine. Not too far from you, John. Hi and welcome. Hey, uh, good day to you, gentlemen. So I was calling to ask if um, the Bible says anything specific on where good stewardship with God's finances ends and just having faith that God will do the right thing begins. John, your thoughts? Um, where does, so I, I didn't quite understand the question. Also, would you remind, would you mind repeating that? Where does, where does good stewardship end? Yeah, so uh, I'm uh, I'm an employee to a pretty small business, and in spite of us trying to ensure everything goes towards God's will, uh, we're still struggling financially here. And our main concern is if uh, we are doing something wrong, or if we're just not allowing God to do His own work. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's that's a good question. Yeah, I I think um you know God has ways of revealing his will to us if if you're if may, maybe it just takes time to grow the business. I don't know all the details. Um maybe this is this will lead to something else. Sometimes God uses circumstances. Mike is guess what I'm driving at to either close a door or open a door or he closes the door because I want to get you to this other door to walk through. But as far as uh stewardship goes, I mean, yeah, we're called to be good stewards of what belongs to the Lord's. And, and if, if it's the question has to do with, do we give to the Lord? We, we give as, as one determines in their own heart. The Bible says that every man, according to whatever he purposes in his own heart, so let him give not grudgingly out of necessity for God loves a cheerful giver. Um, but I don't think that good stewardship ever ends. Uh, and, but I think good stewardship and faith go hand in hand, Mike. I believe that those two things being, you know, Trusting God and also being a good steward, those things are compatible. They're friends. And I think you need both of those in, in the situation that, that you're in. Amen. And I, I hope that answers it for you, Austin, because, again, um, it isn't just that we're saved going to heaven someday, but that when we gave our life to Christ, we gave him everything. 
And that means that Jesus is the C- CEO, CFO of our life, the chief executive officer, the chief financial officer. What we have, we gave to him when we became Christians. And that means our finances, our resource, our talents, our abilities, and the rest of our life. And so we just want to always pray, God, what will thou have me to do? As Jesus taught the disciples to pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And here it is, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's surrendering your will to God and your resources as well. Hope that helps, Austin. Yeah, that was perfect. I appreciate your time. Thank you. God bless you. Stay on the line if you like. Send you out some books, some DVDs. We're going to go to Zach, Sheridan, Wyoming. Hi and welcome. Hey, I just want to say what's up, John. It's Zach and Jana. We are blessed to hear you on the radio out here every Thursday afternoon. Um, But my question is, regarding the ten tribes, the lost ten tribes of Israel and the Gentiles, and so I don't know, it may be two different questions, but ultimately we're surrounded by a lot of all-millennial Reformed theology, and they make much of this Gentile thing where my understanding is in the Greek that the Gentiles are basically just anybody that is not of Israel, not governed by God. Um, But for whatever reason, they want to make a lot of delineation focusing on the nations, but then also focusing on these lost ten tribes of Israel. And I just, quite frankly, don't get the point. Well, first of all, real quick, and then, John, you can answer this. There's nowhere in the Bible says there's lost ten tribes of Israel. God knows who they are. I think many of the people know who they are. Your thoughts, John? Yeah, I would agree with that. Hi, Zach and Jana. Love you guys. Say hi to those beautiful kids of yours out there in Wyoming. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you, Mike. God God knows where everything is, and he they're not lost to him. He knows where they are. And uh, concerning um, all millennialism and uh, all of that, I, I, you know, I think there's this other thing going around too, Mike, where you have people seeking to replace Israel with the church. And that's a, that's a big mistake because— Yeah, it is. God made an everlasting covenant with Israel, and everlasting means everlasting. So even though they failed, he hasn't. Even though it might appear that they're lost, they really aren't. God knows where they are, and and it makes it clear that God still has a plan for the nation. And, you know, Zach, what's great about you and Jenna is that you guys, you stick to the Word. You know what the Bible says. And so you stick to that, and uh, and and regardless of, of what others might say, listen, the Bible's the authority. And, and I think as long as you stick toward the Word of God, you'll be able to steer clear of those things that are— I think they're inaccurate, to, to say the least, Mike, in what they're teaching concerning Israel and God's plan for them. Yeah, and, and you know, Zach, you don't really realize how weird a lot of Bible theology is until you get away from, from good theology and you hear these people making stuff up. Well, I read it on the Internet. You know, unicorns are alive in the Internet. You know, you got to be careful because there's so much crazy stuff out there. Again, stick to God's Word. We'll never go wrong. Zach Stay Online send you out some books and DVDs. Great for your friends and family. Thanks so much, John, for being on. Look forward to being back with you tomorrow. Jennifer, the rest, please call us back. We'll pitch on first thing. So until then, God bless you. To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Everyman and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A.
Trevor Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 